to sing out, sing out And if you want to be free, be free Cause there's a million things to be You know that there are And if you want to live high, live high And if you want to live low, live low Cause there's a million ways to go You know that there are Welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loisel, and with me today is Mark Salcedo. You know what? I just realized something. You say with me today, like if you're going to expect somebody else. <laughs> you know, you never know. Yeah, that's true. Yes, with you today, it's Mark Salcedo. But next time, Mark Salcedo. It might be <laughs> Juan Albaneta. Who's that? I don't know. Just a name popped in my head. I think it's from like a song. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what I have to say to that? What do you have to say to that? Everyone has the right to make an ass out of themselves. Yes, I have every right to make an ass out of myself. <laughs> you know, speaking of ass, this one I remember getting to this, uh, witnessing this fight between a couple, and the girl had called the guy, and um called him an asshole and he mm-hmm. goes i'm an ass half it takes an asshole you're the other hole or some shit like that you're the other half <laughs> you're the other half yeah and i tried using that in an argument and somebody went that's stupid <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of stupid yeah so we're on facebook we are and twitter and instagram at the real appeal two e's in real uh we're at therealappeal at gmail.com if you want to email us. Drop us a line. Say hi. Say bye. Say whatever's on your mind. Wiggity, 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 wiggity. <laughs> Tell Mark to fuck off. <laughs> um, please review us on iTunes. And this week we're doing the news. We're doing I'm Thinking of Ending Things for a recent review. Uh, for Variety Time, of course, we're doing a trip down Lovecraft Lane, which is, of course, Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. And our geriatric cinematic is Harold and Maud, which came out in 1971. Yeah, it's, um, I was looking into this. I, I, I heard about, no, I, as much as I've seen about it was like a movie poster and that was it. Mm-hmm. And then apparently it's like a cult classic. It's in like the Criterion collection. I think it's like Spine 681 or something like that. Um, but I remember when we first saw the trailer, we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So our topic is uh, driving yourself mad one relationship at a time. Sounds like true love. No. No? Mm-mm. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, what do we got going on in the news? All right. So what we got in the news for this episode uh the academy creates inclusion standards for the best picture oscar i don't know why i had a hard time saying that uh so the the academy of motion picture arts and science um have done an initiative for 2025 and it's gonna it details new representation and inclusion standards for oscar eligibility in the pick in best picture category starting in 2022 um so a lot of people have been confused by this. 
I'm confused by it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not, yeah, of course, you're not the only one. Um, people are like already arguing, saying like, oh, this is like controlling art and all that kind of stuff and shit like that. And it's, it's really not doing that. Um, the uh, Academy president, David Rubin, and Academy CEO, Don Hudson, said in a statement, uh, the aperture... Uh, must widen to reflect our diverse global population in both the crea- creation of motion pictures and in the audience who connect with them. Uh, the Academy is committed to playing a vital role in helping making this a reality. So what this really is, is what's funny. I'm just thinking about the duplicity between everyone with the hashtag Oscars so white and then, mm-hmm. oh, no, we don't want our art taken away. Yeah, yeah. Um, like shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay, go so, go like make your colony somewhere where it's all white people and you have no culture. Mm. So what this what this does is that it sets up like a new set of like standards that a best picture category um, must follow to be included. Um, I'm sorry, a best picture candidate must follow to be in the category. So there are, if I can. If I remember correctly, there are four standards. There's standard A, standard B, standard C, and standard D. And each one is, like, sectioned off, right? Um, so what they have to, what the Academy is asking is that the film includes at least two of these standards, right? And even though the standards seem a bit more precise, it's actually already kind of been practicing. This one just more, like, implements it, like, hey, y'all got to follow these rules. Mm-hmm. Because... This opens the door for more of a diverse cast, a, divi- a diverse uh, crew behind the scenes, and more importantly, a d- diverse type of writing. Mm-hmm. You know, for all for all intents and purposes, um, 1917 was a really great film. However, 1917 was a really great film. Mm-hmm. But how many, like, war movies is going to win an Oscar? Yeah. Um with that being said, 1917 does fit in the category. Uh, for example, like I know it's like a, it was like essentially like an all white cast, mm-hmm. but that's why they can go through like standard like D or C, which is like you guys got to have like women editors or like uh, like you got to have like a multicultural not not like a whole, not like a mixture a whole mixture, but at least like 30 percent of the people behind have to be like. Either Asian, Hispanic, African American, Indigenous, Middle Eastern, Native American, or underrepresented uh, race or ethnicity, or in some cases, um, members of the LGBTQ community or people who have like a disability. So there's they're asking a lot of these like if I you, think women too. What do you mean? That women have to make a percentage of certain things too. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and like 1917 had fit. If I remember correctly, 1917 had like fit like standard. B and C, because uh, the editors were women, mm-hmm. and then the the cast and crew like behind it were like of uh, different uh, ethnicities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of like I said, a lot of people are arguing, saying like this is how you censor or how you stunt um, creativity and stuff like that. It's like no, dude, just just bring more people into your fucking crew. Don't have a, don't just hire an all white people and shit like that. Yeah. Um. There was a section by, uh, who did this? Uh, by Variety that explained the inclusion. Um, one, it is not, it is not effective immediately. So, um, like for example, it doesn't, it won't really be in full effect until like 2024. So, everybody cool your jets. 
Um, or what I what I meant by that is by 2024, like you better have like the stuff included into your film. Right. Like, exactly. Like if you're you know now because you haven't started your project. Yeah. And it might you like if it's 2020 right now, mm-hmm. you haven't started it, but you're getting ready to. So you mm-hmm. have plenty of time to make those changes without saying all oh, this is fucking me up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh of course, it's not it's not telling you how to make movies. It's not telling people how to make movies. It's not telling you how to make your project. It's just saying, hey. You're if you le- want Best Picture, this is how yeah. you need to do things. Yeah, and it's and it, uh, it better allows representation. It allows people of the Academy, like members and audience members, to better identify with this film. Because there's only, there's only so many times you can just see a white lead become the hero. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Iron Man. Iron Man's a, I love that character. But yo, I love Black Panther. That is like, that I'm just like, I can relate to that dude. Mm-hmm. Like straight up. Not just based off skin color, but like uh, how I was raised and like. The warmth of like family and like. Yeah. That whole type of culture. It's really missing in a lot of like white lead led films. Yeah. Um, and like, they're not asking, they're not asking directors and writers to be like you know they have to have a certain number of people like a high number like they don't have to have like an all-black cast if they don't want to it has to be like at least 30 percent, and that 30 percent can be like background characters you know if you're shooting in la you're obviously going to get a mixture of just all these nationalities all these ethnicities it's Mm -hmm. just going to happen yeah now if you shoot like i don't know bumfuck idaho or some shit like that I'm sure there are some black people out there. Mm-hmm. Just get like a couple. And depending on like how your cast is, let's say like, I don't know, you're set in a high school, uh, teen drama or some shit like that, right? I'm sure there's some black kids in that school. I'm sure there's like some Asian kids in that school. Mm-hmm. Put them in the background. But hey, if you want, if you want your chances to get even better, why don't you make the supporting, the supporting cast member a Latina? Latino, so, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you want your film to better reflect the time, the current times, right? Yeah. So this one. Well, just- my high school is all farmers, so <laughs> like it, literally, the high school is right next to a cornfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't have, we had all white people in that school. Yeah, like, and this is obviously this is like what 10, 12 years ago or something like that uh, when you're in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure 15 years okay yeah. so yeah so let's say 15 years I, I, I'm not trying to date you I'm just like yeah it's like 25 years ago for you right now I'm trying to say so it's like 30 years ago <laughs> um, I'm sure now there are some black kids in there I'm sure there must be some Asian kids in there because everybody just spreads out we just it's a mix this country's supposed to be a uh, what's it called a hodgepodge melting of, pot melting pot it's supposed to be a melting pot exactly and like my middle school was different it, we had well, it's funny. We only had still like two black people. Everybody else was either white or Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in standard B, they kind of break it down a little bit more. Uh, there's standard B two other key roles, at least six other crew slash team and technical positions, and ex- excluding production assistants, are from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. These positions include, but are not limited to, the first AD, gaffer, script supervisor. 
I know there's script supervisors that are not white. I know they're because these are like almost like gaffers. Like these are like labor jobs. Mm-hmm. And some people, not everybody in Hollywood wants to be an actor. Not everybody in Hollywood wants to be a writer. They just want to work behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And that includes white, black, of all type of people. Kitty, 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 kitty. There you go. So, Just so you know, we have a fly in here that keeps <laughs> dive bombing us. I think I even heard it on the mic once. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the cat is trying to kill it. I think we should let it, but you're just going to hear a lot of commotion. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that, that bling, 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 you guys are hearing, that's just the kitty just running around like a mat. I bought him a new collar on the weekend. It's uh, You just had to buy him a new collar uh, at that time. Huh? I did. You know, it's dark blue with pineapples on it, and it has a bow and a bell. <laughs> Wait, has a has a bow? Yeah, his has a bow. Her, and I got one for pocket too. But and that one doesn't have a bow. It doesn't have a bow. It's like an aqua color with sushi. I thought that bow. That bow is so ridiculous. I like it. Yeah. Well, that yeah, right. That is your cat. They're both my cats. <gasps> what about what about pocket? Puck's not my cat. She's book? also your cat, but right. she lives with me, so I get final say. So she leaves. Damn, damn. After you said, well, when you get your own place, pocket's gonna stay with me. That's what you said. I'd, well, I'm kind of resigned to the fact that I'm going to lose that battle, so. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think they should stay together no mm. matter which place she goes, but, you know, you don't agree. I birthed that cat. Ew. <laughs> it came out like... <laughs> anyway, we're going away from what we're talking about. Um, MC Standard C, they break it down a little bit more. Paint, like, paid it... Uh, What's it called? Apprenticeship and internship opportunities. This is fucking great. Um, a lot of places in Hollywood, they don't pay internship. They just go. That's like internships anywhere. They don't pay you. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's true. And they need to stop that anywhere. Because people got to make a fucking living in this economy. Um, I know. And and especially, especially in Hollywood, they always want to say, oh, well, I'll... You know, I can't pay you, but I'll give you more exposure or the experience will pay off and all that kind of stuff like that. I'm like, OK, cool. But but it actually kind of never does. It never does. And also exposure and pay and exposure and and experience don't exactly pay the bills at that moment. They don't pay the bills at that moment. But there's so many tiny little projects that you find yourself doing. Like mm. you were with that one production company. Yeah. That didn't get you anywhere. No, no, it didn't. I mean, it like it put it it put it down for a resume, but like But you didn't it didn't get your foot in the door anywhere else. Yeah. And so like that's the thing that fuck. <laughs> the fly came back over. It her. scared me cuz it hit me in the back of the head. Uh-huh. Um the thing that sucks about that is like if you're not going to pay anyone, you mm. can't say that they're going to get experience cuz who cares about the experience they're going to get? They're not going to be on a big budget film right out the gate. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, you know what? Damn, I completely, I completely tuned out another, another uh, production I worked for, for that fucking that shitty ass production group. Not the not 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 the YouTube channel that's still active. The one before that, with that crazy ass director who thought his shit didn't stink. See, you don't remember it either, do you? No. Where I had to like run their Instagram page or some shit like that, and it was supposed to be like the disappeared writer oh, oh, or some I, shit. Yeah, his name was popping <laughs> into my head. Yeah. I know his name, but 
Yeah, don't bring in that guy, you fucking shit. No, I know. <laughs> um, I was thinking about that, but I forgot about the whole social media aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. And um, you were like, and I thought it was so funny, because sometimes you get kind of naive about like, no, 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 I want to see where this goes, you know? Yeah, and this may be like hopeful and shit. Yeah, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Stop it. Well, this sucks. <laughs> well, I guess there are a lot of people who have my who have my mindset. They want to come in with it. They want to get this experience and all that kind of shit. And you know, it, it happens. Everybody, everybody who's in Hollywood who gets into the business, they get screwed over like at least a couple of times. Yeah, and I'm not like coming down on you or telling you you're stupid or anything, mm-hmm. even though you are. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but like, it it sucks because there are people who are like really hopeful, and maybe this will fix some of it yeah um so yeah the, the, for all a lot of people are like I said, a lot of people are saying this is going to kill the art form or it's gonna put a, like a hold on it or like a tight grasp on like creativity and stuff like that it's not um and they're also it's not set in stone they still have some things that they're going to work out in the next four years yeah exactly it's not exactly set in stone they have these standards set of course they can always be changed but i mean i'm i'm for this because like i said it opens up it opens up diversity that is not represented enough and it opens up new stories clear example of this is fucking parasite taika waititi taika waititi is another clear example of this shit uh barry jenkins uh steve mcqueen um, Guillermo del Toro, you know, this is like clear, uh, Alfonso Cuaron, um, Alejandro Iratu. This is like clear example that, um, that is clear examples of like diversity is one marketable and two can tell some compelling stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I remember last year, like when Kel- Kelsey and I saw Parasite, we were just like, yo, this is like the best movie of the year, mm-hmm. like just straight with the. Endgame came out last year. There was Endgame, but this was like the one that like we could not stop talking about. Endgame was great on a scale of we were really looking forward to watching it because it was like the end of phase three. Yeah. <clears throat> and like we wanted to see what happened from Infinity War. Yeah. And it was cinematic and huge. So yeah. that's different because Parasite was clever and... Um, like it had a lot to say and it was it opened up discussions and mm-hmm, yeah so <clears throat> they were both great in their own ways mm-hmm. so I would say they're like the best both of them were like the best mm-hmm. in their own separate categories yeah yeah Endgame is a great big and what, actually you know what Endgame Endgame had a multicultural fucking group in there as well mm-hmm. so I mean you know that's like the 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 movie that earned the most money in like in film history mm. Um, oh, I know this isn't in the docket. Mm. Um, are we are we done with the the news? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like this done. part? Yeah, we're done with this. Okay. J.K. Rowling. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's let's talk about that. <laughs> so you speak your mind. Go on. Oh man, she pisses me off so bad, and like she's doing she she's doing. It's a fight that I'm not really saying anything in, even though I would consider myself an ally, mm-hmm. because I don't know anyone who's transgender, and I wouldn't know what to say to bring something valuable to the argument, because I don't even know anybody who's transgender, so I don't have 
Like, I have an opinion, and that's she's wrong, but mm. beyond that, I don't have anything to bring. Mm. Um, and um, she's doing a new book mm-hmm. about, I guess, a man who dresses as a woman mm-hmm. and is a serial killer. Yeah, as part of her series of of detective novels that she wrote um from my understanding they're not good Mm -hmm. but but go on so if it wasn't bad enough that she is talking the way she is like and people are already kind of canceling harry potter but a lot of people are still kind of clinging on to it because it's part of their childhood yeah fucking hagrid yeah he fucking jumped in there do you have that you want me to read the quote because i found what he said go ahead all right uh haggard played by uh robbie was it robbie coltrane um he he was on a radio show i'm trying to see i can't find what radio show um double down says okay oh yeah he was on uh, he was on Radio Times. Okay. So he said, uh, I don't think what she said was offensive. Re- Actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't think what she said was offensive, really. I don't know why, but there's a lot of Twitter generation, a whole Twitter generation of people who hang around waiting to be offended. They wouldn't have won the war, would they? Um, he keeps going. He he admitted that he sounds like a grumpy old man, but you just think, oh, you oh, get over yourself, wise up, and st- stand up straight and carry on. Just like saying, okay, we get it. We know you're black. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. You know, you or, want reparations. You're, co- you're complaining about slavery and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like mm. not even saying yeah or no. You're like you're still going through shit, or you're not just. Mm. I don't give a shit. Shut up. Yeah. Uh, um, J.K. Rowling has been on like this transphobic kind of like tirade for a while. Um, she's coming off. Well, I mean, she's like, I know she did like this long essay that explained herself, but from my understanding, from what I read, it sounded very um, disjointed. Like she was just coming from all the different angles, trying to justify what she what her opinions are on on trans people what i got from it Mm. was i tried thinking about it as a better person but then this one woman told me that trans people make her feel less of a woman so now i think that too oh okay that's how it totally came across to me yeah and it's it sucks because it's like J.K. Rowling was always like this act, this uh, writer that had like these nice quips, these nice clapbacks, and everything. When people try to like rag on her and stuff like that, and I loved it and everything. But I mean, I'll, I'll still watch the Harry Potter movies. I won't buy them mm-hmm. like straight up. Um, but at the same time, it's just like J.K. Rowling needs to like fucking stop and shut the fuck up now because, um, like, and, and we don't need to know. Hmm. anybody else's opinion so they stop ruining shit yeah um i'm not i'm I'm not to argue that you're that you are entitled to somebody you you are entitled to an opinion just like how we're giving our opinions on how we feel but there are tons of transphobic people who are just like are people who don't see it see how we see things and they're just like well what's wrong with her she said and that's cool that's your own opinion but you gotta understand there are consequences that's gonna come from this Mm -hmm. um I know Harry Potter still makes money. Like, 
franchise-wise, it still makes money. I mean, we have, they have a whole section in Universal Studios dedicated yeah, to Harry Potter. Yeah, but, I mean, over time, I mean, people's, people's minds change. Like, their dollars change. They're just like, well, I don't feel like going on that ride anymore or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, you, could, you can't tank the fucking, you can't tank your franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think who else might have tanked a franchise. Oh, and I want to say, there is a difference between the John Boyegas of the world and mm-hmm. the J.K. Rawlings. Like, John Boyega is also pretty vocal about his views on things, mm-hmm. but there are things that pretty much are uplifting mm-hmm. for people. Like, this has been my experience. Yeah. Um, and I'm fighting for equality. Yeah. And, and she's like, okay, I don't like men identifying as women. I like there's a part of me honestly that can mm. kind of relate to that like a little bit. Yeah. Um but I imagine it's not going to you're not going to let I'm not I imagine you're you're not going to let that what that little relates to you that you're not going to let that tarnish what someone thinks of themselves, are you? You're not going to be like that's wrong or anything like that. No, cuz of the part I mean it's like it comes from like an insecure place and I'm mm. not saying like it's I don't think it's wrong. I really don't. Mm. Um, the about being uh, trans. Yeah, okay. I don't think being trans is wrong. I don't mm. feel if I feel like I'm less of a woman be, because there's a trans woman, it's because she's more like beautiful than me, <laughs> which I would feel for anybody, male or female, uh-huh. dressed as a woman that's prettier than me. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, I've seen. Laverne Cox is fucking gorgeous. Oh, that's the one from Orange Is the New Black. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there have been. <laughs> There have been trans uh, women, uh, women who have transferred, who have transferred, excuse me, uh, transitioned to men Mm -hmm. and who was like way more fit than I am. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? I want to get them abs and shit like that. (laughs) But I don't, I don't feel less of a man. The only thing I go is like, all right, I need to go like lift some weights or I need to like go jogging or something. I, I, I I use their experience to like uplift me because I want to like feel as good as they feel about themselves. And and I actually kind of like that that little part of me is there Mm -hmm. because I know it's there and I can like kind of create dialogue within myself to talk Mm. about it because um i think mostly Mm -hmm. i didn't grow up around trans people Mm. or different cultures other than puerto ricans and like so mostly it it comes from lack of education lack of experience Mm. not because i i don't like trans people because i'm i don't have an issue with them at all yeah i I just don't know anyone yeah yeah i mean it's not it's not hard to really understand than a trans life. I mean, there's like a ton of documentaries, and of course, you can read reports. There's always, and the fucked up thing is, like, there are tons of reports of of transgender people um, being murdered. Um, uh, just recently in the news, I mean, we're getting like further into politics a bit, but like recently in the news, um, there was a Marine who murdered a transgender uh, woman out in the Philippines or something like that, and he mm. got pardoned. Speaking of military, mm. fucking Fort Hood. Oh yeah, yeah. And let's, saying, let's, let's not go. Let's not go over that exactly. I think that's a whole different thing. I, I heard that it's like a lot of people of color that are being killed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, like besides that, like you can't be. You like, I know people are like, you're gonna pick and choose when you can use a platform, right? Like that's why I brought John Boyega into it mm-hmm. because he does use his platform. Yeah. Um, 
So how can you say he can and then J.K. Rowling can't? But there's like a difference, though, because it's like saying, well, if AOC can talk, you know, about everything she believes in, then Trump should be able to, too. Like, yeah, I think because it comes it comes the whole John Boyega and J.K. Rowling, like the the the. The side of J- of uh, John Boyega comes from a side of uh, side. Damn, I almost got that sucker too. Um, <laughs> but I would have like slapped. I would have probably broke my laptop. Again, <laughs> uh, it comes from a side of uh, John Boyega. Side. It, it comes from a side of of screaming for equality, and a discussion needs to be had. Mm-hmm. J.K. Rollins seems to come from a side of ignorance mm-hmm. and closed mindedness. Right. Just like it makes you feel icky. So no, it's wrong. But, like, you could tell people why it makes you feel icky and open a conversation instead of shutting them down and telling everyone that you feel attacked. So mm-hmm. you don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought that was important to talk about. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. Um, all right. Anything else you want to discuss before we hop into our recent review? No. No? All right. What, have we, what, what, what is our recent review? Our recent review is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Jake, my boyfriend. It's snowing. Winter is coming. We have a real connection. A rare and intense attachment. I've never experienced anything like it. I'm thinking of ending things. Huh? What? Did you say something? I don't think so. Weird. I'm visiting Jake's parents for the first time. He hasn't been my boyfriend for very long. They really are looking forward to meeting you. I think you're ending things. Hello? We're here. Oh, hi. Oh, it's all wet. Here they come. Jeff has told us so much about you. He's told me so much about both of you, too. And you came anyway. (laughs) Jake tells me you're studying quantum psychics. Physics. Really? (laughs) There's just something profoundly wrong here. Are you okay? Yeah. I think you're ending. I am so glad Jake has found someone. Soon this will all be a distant memory. Who's this? It's me. No, it was me. I tell you, I would misplace my own head if it wasn't screwed onto my own head. I feel like I was seeing them as they were. Seeing them as they will be. Seeing them after they're gone. I'm thinking of it. You can stay here. Excuse me? You don't have to go. I don't have to go where? forward. The synopsis is full of misgivings, a young woman travels with her new boyfriend to his parents' secluded farm. Upon arriving, she comes to question everything she thought she knew about him and herself. Directed and written by Charlie Kaufman. It stars Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley, Tony Collette, and David Thewlis. 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 Um. Mark. Yes. What did you think? I absolutely love this movie. I okay, I think love is the wrong word. Cuz love love I don't you know what? Yeah, I love this movie. Um I'm a 
huge Charlotte Kaufman fan. Mm-hmm. Whenever he's got a new film, whether it's written or directed or both, I'm like, yo, I'm there. Because he's such a visual director. And he uses like these great practical effects to say so much about a character and the environment that they're in or what's even going on in their head. Mm-hmm. And he does it greatly in this one. Um, I will admit, just like everybody else, for about maybe about 30 to 40 minutes, I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Because there's so much of like this weird dialogue and like inner monologue and then like uh, time lapse that's, aren't, that's not explained at all. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it didn't take that didn't take me any away from it. It just it just had me it had me really want to think about like okay what is he trying to say, you know a character's age rapidly. What is he trying to say about like life or about relationships or what is he trying to say about, about that particular shot? Mm-hmm. Um, the performance is fucking phenomenal. Um, Jesse Buckley who plays the young woman, whew, she was so great in this role. She's in something too. She's in uh, Chernobyl. No, she's in something else. Okay. Hey? I have to look it up. Um, <laughs> it's new. I want to say it's on HBO. Uh, Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. While well, Kelsey looks that up. Uh, oh, she's Irish. Yeah. Remember we? Remember I interviewed her for like fucking five minutes. Nope. Don't remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> When'd you do that? When we were at that variety event. And remember that that redhead came up. I was like, because oh, the lady, because the PR was like, oh, you want to interview? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? And I was like, wait, who the fuck is she? And I had to like look her up real quick. Um. Yeah, I spoke to her for like, I don't know, maybe like five or seven minutes or something like that. Um, Fargo. She's in Fargo? Mm-hmm. What? Uh, the, new, the new season of Fargo. Uh, oh, she's in a new season of Fargo. Okay, right, 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 right. Because uh, I know, because I saw her hair too, and I'm like, gosh, she reminds me of um, that one Natasha Leone or whatever her name is. Mm-hmm. She reminds me of her a bit. Um, so, yeah, this... Um, I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I ended up watching it like a second time. And after the after the big twist reveal at the end, um, and then kind of like reading more about it, and then rewatching the movie, I started seeing all the pieces. I was like, oh, that's what he's getting at here. That's what he's getting at here. This is what he's doing here. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been a lot of discussion of what this film is trying to say. I think you and I had kind of... Um, we didn't conclude that it was about relationships, but it kind of like leads a little bit into that, but it goes into a whole lot more mm-hmm. into it. Um, I mean, but like, <laughs> did not take up all the time. Like I said, I think Charlie Kaufman did it. I think he's done another great film. I think this is my first Charlie Kaufman film. No, it's your second. The second one? Uh, yeah, your first is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Oh, yeah. But I mean, that's Spike Jones directed, but it's a, it's a Charlie Kaufman script. Oh, gotcha. So, but it's you see the similarities mm-hmm. between these two films. Um, I really like this film because, without giving too much away, mm-hmm. totally is how I want to portray a certain story that I was thinking of, of writing. Yeah, you've been working on it for a little while. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah, but go on. So I really like all the, the tiny little nuances of things mm-hmm. that happen when you're having a dream yeah um and when we get into the movie more i'm going to talk about a couple of the specific things yeah yeah. um especially the time lapses you were talking about mm-hmm. um i want to talk about that a little bit too but i did really enjoy the performances tony collette was like <laughs> manic i don't if to- 
I don't know if Tony Collette has won an Oscar. Um, if she hasn't, what the fuck is wrong? Like Tony Collette is such a great actress. Um, I don't remember if you said you liked her and hereditary i know you didn't like hereditary at all but no I, it's not that i didn't like it at all mm. i really liked the ending oh okay not because it was the end but <laughs> credits like, roll thank god i know we're not talking about hereditary right now but i just want to say mm. they didn't do that film justice because they 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 wanted it to be so mysterious that the most interesting thing in that film was the end and i wanted to see more of like what is going on Mm. in that world to make that shit happen yeah and you only get it at the very end oh i gotcha like maybe like that was a prequel yeah i felt like hereditary too here we go again (laughs) (laughs) um and i i did like her in that in that movie okay but But it was depressing though she was really depressing yeah um, but you, but you liked her as, as much as, uh, Hereditary or more or less in, uh, I'm thinking of ending things. I'm thinking of ending things. I think she was more, mm. her character knives out in this one. Yeah. 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 Then yeah, she that. was Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe she was both of them combined. <laughs> Yeah, she was so yeah. her character was so up and down. Yeah, like her her character. I mean, this is not a spoiler or anything. Her character does co- her character does come off as manic. Um, so like the manic side is like her from Hereditary, and then like the side where she's like laughing and like having a good time is the character from uh, Knives Out. Yeah. So it's like bam, just like combining, boom, we got that shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you, okay? So what did you think of what did you think of the story uh, in general without spoilers? Like. Was it too confusing to you, or were you kind of, like, able to keep up with it? Um, I would say it was confusing, but it wasn't, and like, generally as a person mm. in life or watching movies. Mm. I like mystery, but I don't like being confused. Yeah. And there's a difference and a fine line. Mm. Um, and I didn't feel, I felt not, like, lost. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't care that I didn't know. Like, Uh, I was enjoying the ride. Yeah, yeah. You just want to follow that mystery and see where we're going. Yeah, so I knew that I wasn't, like, keeping up with anything because, like, you really couldn't. Mm -hmm. But you were just storing away all the little puzzle pieces until the end. Yeah, And hoping that you could put them together. Exactly. That is my exact thought on this movie. Yeah. Um, And when we got to the end, I I was sitting there and you're like, you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm just really thinking about it. <laughs> like, like I, I'm sure I like, I like it. I'm just really thoughtful right now. Um, and I like movies that get me that way because yeah. especially when we're watching it together and we can have a really big discussion about it. Mm. Um, that's really important to me to like unlocking a story sometimes is like mm. it depends on who you watch it with like mother was a great example i would probably not have liked that movie if i watched it by myself yeah yeah some of these some of these movies um these type of movies like this or mother or in some cases heroin mod which we're gonna talk talk about later um it's always good to have a, another person with you to watch it with or even like someone who just recently watched it and then open up a discussion because um 
you were you were telling me things that I never thought about or pointing out to certain things. I was just like, oh, I never got that. Like, there's a camera movement that you pointed out. And I was like, yo, I never thought about that. And mm-hmm. it kind of, like, shifted my perspective a little bit. Not to, like, align with yours, but just to kind of, like, think about what that was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, think, I think my brain just stopped, like, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Mark.exe has failed. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess we've been kind of beating around the bush. So do you want to get into the spoiler section? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Okay, folks. um, If you haven't watched uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things and you don't want to spoil, we're going to give you guys spoiler bubble so you can skip ahead. Uh, For all those who have watched it, you know, just come inside. Sit down. I'll... Pour your glass of water. It is still kind of warm outside. And you're going to enjoy this uh, nice little spoiler bumper. For y'all who don't know, I mean, the it, the spoiler bumper is kind of catchy, so we, like, dance around a little bit. But sometimes Kelsey does, like... I go over the top. She goes over the top. Never <laughs> never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> you okay. know, it doesn't cease to amaze you like Clackamas. <sighs> Let's save that for the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So, um, I'm going to let you lead the spoiler section on... There's fucking kids. It's outside shit. I know. Okay, okay go on. Um, I know we started watching the movie, and, mm. like, in the beginning, it's pretty dialogue-heavy. Mm. Um, I couldn't watch it a second time because of that. Okay. But for a first-time watch, it wasn't, like, horrendously, like, too boring, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to know what they were talking about. I just couldn't do it a second time. Mm-hmm. So, um it's kind of interesting because the first thing I really noticed during that conversation Mm. was um, how she said, I'm thinking of ending things. But she didn't actually say it and he still heard her. Yeah, yeah. And even like like those parts where she would she would do she would do an internal monologue. You can tell he was like so bothered by it, but like he he can still hear her, mm-hmm. but didn't want to say that he can hear her. Yeah. Um. And and it was like kind of rambling too. Like mm. there were things that they were talking about that you would have to know poetry or you know like really be in that world. Yeah. Or she was like um, getting into like neurology or physics or something. Yeah. Her 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 studies changed. A few times. Uh, she was like a physicist. Um, I think she was like a genealogist or something like that. Like she changed quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time I was like, well, this is weird. Because she didn't. I know she did not move her mouth. Mm-hmm. And he still heard her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then he was like singing or singing along to something that was on the radio. And she's like, oh, you don't strike me as a musical kind of guy. And he's mm. like, no, I don't really like musicals. She's like, so why do you know this song? Yeah. 
And he's like, oh, they do a play at the high school every few years. So, and it's this play. Yeah. Well, not this one. It's this play, that play, this play, that. Like, he, there's like 10 plays off the Yeah, top but of he his said head. they would do this same one like every few years. Yeah, it was uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. So, that ride feels like it takes forever. Okay. You're not the first one I've heard this. I've heard this grievance from. Yeah, it's not like a grievance, like, I hate the movie. It's mm. just really hard for me to get past it to watch a second time. I'm just, I don't mind dialogue-heavy films, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make an entire film. Yeah. And it was pretty long. Yeah. Um, so, when they finally get to the house, there was, like, this really awkward moment where mm-hmm. she gets out of the car, and you could see someone in the window, and he's like, let's just go for a walk. Yeah, after, like, it was the mother, after, like, they're waving at her and well, she waves at them for like 30 seconds and like this weird kind of awkward, like kind of like wave thing. Yeah, she's like excited to see them and and he's like just standing there and she's waving <laughs> like the girl, the young woman is like waving back. Mm. He's like, let's go for a walk. Yeah, yeah. After just telling her that his mom was sick. Like, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was kind of weird, right? Not like I didn't like it, but it was just kind of awkward. Yeah. I think they kind of, that, that, that's, that's why the kinda, theme of this movie. Yeah, Everything's kind of awkward. It. Yeah. So when they finally get into the house, the thing that I didn't no- honestly really notice it that much because I was really starting to get into the movie mm. to the point where I wasn't even noticing stuff. I was just like there. Yeah. Um, You're like, they're de-aging. Yeah. I didn't even notice till you said it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, shit, they are. Yeah. The, the parents, like, they were really old when they came downstairs. Mm. And then they were getting younger and younger and younger. Yeah, it's so, it's funny because it's so, like, carefully, uh, carefully, kind of, like, brought in the aging, the aging part of the, of the story. Um, because it's not like the camera doesn't, like, cut to and then, bam, they're all old and shit. Like, mm-hmm. as dramatic for life. It's just like kind of just adds into like the conversation mm-hmm. of just people just talking like one minute they're semi-old and the next minute they're just they're actually young and then another minute they're like really old and that's what like later on in the story it gets like they start transforming really old and it's like obvious they're old yeah uh and that's when i think that's when it's kind of like not for shock value but that's when you you it hits you like and i think that kind of speaks volumes of how people interact with each other mm-hmm. and they don't see themselves aging until that one moment they're like holy shit i'm this age now or i'm this old now you know where do all these years go by i think too it's funny because i know people look at each other mm. and they see that mm-hmm. like oh i remember this person when they were young or whatever yeah if i was gonna make a movie like this i don't know how but i would make it where the people that you were talking to were always just kind of off screen mm-hmm or, like, you get a glimpse of them and then you don't see them because my memory doesn't work that way. My yeah. memory is, if I don't see you for maybe four or five days, I start forgetting what you look like. Uh, I got it's funny, how you, it's funny that you mentioned it about memory because this movie, this movie really tackles the idea of, what, of how memory works. Uh, the uh, cinematographer named Lucas Zell, uh, he said... Um, uh, he sat down with, uh, I believe he sat down with, um, I think it's IndieWire. My laptop just went on me. Uh, yeah, he sat down with Variety, and he had said that uh, the production designer, Molly 
Hughes would flesh out the concept of how characters would see themselves in memory. So there were parts in the movie, and this is what he said. He said some would be faded, and some would, some others would be colorful. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, like, there's a part where the young woman, like, woman, she has, like, uh, she's wearing that green sweater. Well, it's striped. Yeah, the striped green sweater. And mm-hmm. then she's wearing, like, the black dress underneath. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's shown, but you never saw her take the... Uh, the sweater off. The sweater off. And you can kind of see her, like, the white, that's kind of pop out more mm-hmm. while everybody else is just more of a mute color. Um, also, in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. when she's in town, everything mm-hmm. is vibrant. Yes, Very, exactly. very vibrant. Yeah. And then everything is very dreary once you get to the house or even in the car. Yeah, and it continues to be dreary further and further as we're kind of going into like more of a memory faded kind of thing mm-hmm. where... Um, where the actions kind of like reveal itself to be in somebody's mind. And it's like, it's almost like the further you think about it, the like less it becomes uh, consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, you like start off like with a big bang when like your memory starts. Oh, I remember waking up and having waffles and eggs. And my mother was wearing this dress when she cooked these eggs and blah, 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 or blah. Or you idealize too. Exactly. Right? Like how his mother was like, oh, you know. I remember when he was a boy and mm-hmm. this and that about girls and different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, he didn't seem like he was that incompetent. Who, the... Um... Jesse Plemons' character? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what did I tell you about the camera angles? Oh, you had said that the way how the camera shifts, like, when a character is, like, moving right, the camera is already moving ahead before the character moves. Mm -hmm. And you had said that, like, that's how, um, that's how sometimes you're, like, not you yourself, but just you as in royal royal you, that your thought, your thought process, your memory is already moving forward before you even, like, making that move. Mm -hmm. And... Especially when you're having a dream. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, you're... Your, your brain has already processed it, move forward, but your body is taking like that millisecond. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I think that with that shot, it sh- it shows furthermore how this is in somebody's head. And, it's, and it, it was still part of the same scene, but they were, mm. they were next to like the, the banister, the mm. stairs. Yeah. And like, it was a weird angle, almost like you were so much of an audience that you were almost hiding. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes my dreams are like that too. Oh, that you're more viewing yourself? Like, like I'm viewing myself. Like, I'm them, mm-hmm. and I'm me watching. But oh, yeah. I'm not just an audience member. I'm, like, in weird spots in the room or, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, like how they were at the stairs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, even, like, there were parts where um, it was so great. Like, that scene where uh, Jesse, uh, what's her name? Jesse Buckley's character... Um, she's like the center. Of, she's at the center of the shot, and you have the two windows that is like the void, or mm-hmm. that's in the blackened screen, and then like the the wallpaper, and how it's like it's it's. It, I love the fact that that the, this film is shot in four mm-hmm. uh, four by three mm-hmm. uh, aspect ratios because it really allows you to focus like well, on I, a particular stuff on a particular I, item. I remember that scene because they were having a dinner, and it was mm. so weird because I'm like nobody's eating anything yeah yeah i think like the food got passed around like twice or something like that like nobody's eating anything and they're all and like the mother's talking like really manically like she's bipolar and she's on an upswing Mm -hmm. right and like all of a sudden jesse starts talking and she's talking and talking Mm -hmm. and then 
the camera pulls away and it's this wide shot and she's in the middle and I'm like, wow, it's like nobody's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, and, and, yeah, so it's, <laughs> it's funny I mentioned it because they kind of like, I want to say they hit you over the head, but if you don't catch it, you can't feel the, the hit. Like you said, it's a wide shot and nobody's there. And to even like to hammer it in or to bring it in home, she's in between the voids, like the darkness mm-hmm. and shit like that. So she's like truly, truly alone and shit like that. Yeah. And it's weird to me. It didn't come across as she truly was alone. Mm-hmm. It just came across as like, um, I don't know. My, my dreams are weird in a way where like spatially. Mm-hmm. I seem to be, like, the full distance of a house away from someone mm. having a conversation with yeah. them. Or, like, but it, it like, it has, it, it has that feeling of, like, loneliness or emptiness, too, because of that. Yeah. And I felt like that particular shot was that, where they were there, mm-hmm. but they it felt like no one was there, even though they were there, because you're the center of attention, mm. And nobody's listening, like, you're talking and nobody's listening. Yeah, they even continue with that trend um, later on in the movie when they're driving back. And finally, uh, what? Driving back. And I wanted to talk about that too when you're done. Okay, yeah. Um, when they're driving back, and um, uh, Jason, J- how do you say, Jason Plummets? Jesse Plummets. <sighs> Sorry, Jesse Plummets. Jesse Plummets and Je- Jesse Buckley, how they're in the car and how they are using space between the, the two. They almost do like a kind of a French New Wave thing where the camera is like on one person and kind of like slowly pans to the left person and it shows like the distance. Because mm-hmm. it's that, that pan, it takes fucking forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and the parts where, and like I said, you pointed this out, where you got an outside view of the car mm-hmm. but it looks like they were not moving yeah like at all and it, like the camera was on the hood of the car looking in yeah and like how that reflected within the conversation because that conversation between the two was going constantly nowhere because they seemed like they were in two different um uh, like two different places at the same time then that happens in my dreams too mm, okay like i seriously sometimes i'm going somewhere and sometimes mm-hmm. i'm not going anywhere but it yeah. doesn't ever register or like like someone is you, mm-hmm. like you, Mark, but it's not you, but you have the essence of Mark. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's my I, dreams are weird. I don't even have the essence of me. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about how long it took them to finally leave oh, to leave go back home. Okay. My dreams do that a lot. Like, it takes forever. Like, I feel like I'm trying to, like, move into the next phase of something like Mm -hmm. like i'm telling you like i want to get somewhere or i'm looking for something or like there's always someone who's like no let's look over here for this thing or Mm -hmm. whatever but it takes forever to get out of that one thing like i'm just arguing with someone like let's go Mm -hmm. And she's doing that. She's like... Oh, yeah. She's constantly like... She's like, I have to go home. I have to work tomorrow. Yeah. Like, And it, it just seemed like there was all these weird things in the way. It wasn't even just him. It was like, oh, I got to feed my mother or I got to... Yeah, who aged 30 years all of a sudden. Yeah. She was like going to die next week, you mm-hmm. know? Um, or like she's like walking through the house. Mm-hmm. And it's just like kind of going on forever, and she sees yeah, his she's walking, father. Yeah, when she's walking down the stairs, yeah. 
Yeah, she kept walking down the stairs repeatedly. Like, and sometimes my dreams do that too, where I'm like, it's skipping. Yeah, yeah. Um, I sometimes have dreams where I'm like jumping so high, I'm like Mm -hmm. high as a plane, and then I get scared because I have to come back down, Mm -hmm. and then I'll do it again. Like, so, um, anyway. (laughs) Um, well, let's, um, I, I, I want to hear, let, let, Let's talk about our theories about like what the movie was trying to say at the end, or or what the fuck happened. Um, we well we finally get to a spot where they stop, right? Yeah, they end up at the high school, and they there's they lose they they end up at the high school that uh, Jake went to. Mm-hmm. There's this thing that like. He's like gonna confront the janitor because supposedly he's like a peeping tom or something like that. He saw them like making out and he didn't feel right about it. The woman, uh, the young woman, like goes after him and she gets lost and she encounters the janitor and then it turns into, it, starts, it turns into like this musical mm-hmm. where there's like a fight between the janitor and uh, a fight between a janitor, a different janitor. It's the same janitor, but it's a different janitor. It's a musical version of him, a musical version of Jake and a musical version of the young woman who has four different names in this movie. Um, and like they die, mm-hmm. like the janitor ends up like killing them. Yeah. Um, I know, and it was really weird because it wasn't like blood. Yeah, it was, it was like, like red scarf. Yeah, red scarf, like a dramatic kind of like psh, 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 and everything like yeah. that. Um, what? So what? What's what's your theory on on that? The that end of the that end of musical? that third day. Yeah, of that whole that high school scene and everything. That see, that's the part that kind of confused me mm. because, like, I kind of got a sense that it was the janitor's memories. Mm-hmm. Because especially for this one part in the movie where he was talking to the young woman, yeah, and he was talking about how sometimes he sees the peop the high schoolers that were in the play. Mm-hmm. And he'll see them, like, at the grocery store. And he's happy about it because it seems like they're going somewhere. Yeah. And he never really got to go anywhere because he feels like, you know, he's, um, like, at the school still. Mm. And they don't live that close to his family for him to justify knowing, like, year after year of high school students. Mm-hmm. So that's, for me, that was kind of the giveaway that he was the janitor. Yeah. But it still was weird enough that I couldn't fully connect it. Like, I, I could kind of connect it, but it was still kind of going on. And, like, mm. um, the thing that was really weird was all of the the ice cream cups that were too full. Yeah. I don't think he actually killed anybody. Okay. I think that was the death of his youth. That's like uh, regrets for things that didn't go right or that you never did. Yeah. Like he never got the girl's number. At right. the bar, and he never um, finished school and all that kind of stuff. Or he did date her for, like, a little while, but it ended badly. Yeah. 
like so it's like the death of an idea or the death of a relationship or the death of youth like mm. in those memories that he's having mm. that's what i think okay <laughs> in my head i picture dot 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 the end <laughs> um okay i'm i I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a try a different angle and I'm gonna say that everything that did happen um with the with Jake and the young woman and everything I think it did happen but not in that way. I think I think the janitor had an idea. Like I think I, I think what we got like at the end of the movie with with her encountering the janitor and then that scene happening, I think that was the beginning. Of the story, and then them doing the car ride—that's the—that's closer closer towards with the story that started in his head. Mm-hmm. Like I think maybe he like saw this couple come into the high school or park at the high school or some shit like that, and then he just got in his head of like it reminded him of this and that and everything like that. And he just created his own story. Oh, and they must have just visited this guy's parents or her parents or something like that and it's kind of formulated this whole story and he was able to like interject his experience into that story and then kind of make it up because there are parts in this in the movie where you see fragments of of his life in the movie mm-hmm. or within the story like at the beginning there's a scene where he stares out the window and you see a uh uh what's it called like a playset set that's mm-hmm. like busted that exact same place that shows up again during the car ride too she like uh the woman points it out like why is there a place that like out in this abandoned house um and that place that looks just like the one that was uh broken except it's like a little bit cleaned up the ice cream thing that's him because he was a big guy he looked like a very big unhealthy guy that's him just constantly like that's his normal routine i'm gonna get some ice cream mm-hmm. and do this and everything um so seeing that couple that's like he was like losing his grip on reality and he just murked them Hmm. and um there was that part where he's walking through the high school like naked and there's like that uh cartoon pig that he's like oh i'm just an infected pig that's okay because you're the infected pit everybody's infected pit but it's okay for you because you are the infected pit that sounds like something like a serial killer would say i'm disgusting i'm a pig and everything like that (laughs) yeah and that's just him like losing his grip on reality and him witnessing all these musicals he's and these romantic movies and stuff like that like it just bled into the end Mm -hmm. where these people he was he that the people he murdered it was traumatizing to him, so he put himself in that fantasy of, oh, this is like a musical. Because there's no, we see a musical, there's like a, you're, you're taken out of reality. Because mm-hmm. it's a fucking musical. Yeah. And so that was him taking himself out of that reality, because the reality is too fucking gruesome. Yeah. Um, another reason why I think my theory kind of gives it, uh, is uh, yeah, another piece of evidence for my theory, is that the final shot is the car that's covered in all that snow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be any car, but it wasn't in the shape of the tr- of the truck that the guy was driving. Mm-hmm. So I think that was actually the couple's car that was just left out there in the snowstorm. And the next day, that's their car. That was the thing that didn't fit mm. for me. Yeah. So I think that's why maybe your theory works better than mine. Mm. I just thought it was funny that they tried to match up Jesse Plemons. Mm. and the older janitor because it did kind of look like he could be an older version yeah, of yeah. him and i think that's it i think that was like i think that was the 
I think that was the old man putting himself in the in the position of the couple that he just murdered, of the boyfriend that he just murdered. Mm-hmm. The girl is the woman that he never got a chance to be with. This is so I have a chance now. This is how so my it's life like went. a merging of both of our theories. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. I mean, it's not. It's not. Um, this is not like the facts or anything like that. This is just our interpretation of what we think the movie and it's like I said, it's a Charlie Kaufman film, so it's always up for interpretation. Um, the book is a bit more different from what I read, mm-hmm. and the author has his theory, but the author is always open to hear other people's theories because he likes to hear what everybody else thinks it. So he it probably is. loves the movie. Oh yeah, from my understanding, he he. What I read is that he knew his movie was going to change quite a bit. But he was just like, yo, Charlotte Kaufman, I'm honored. And he saw, he was like, yeah, I liked it. I liked my movie. I liked the fact that he, I liked his movie. And I liked the fact he changed it, mm-hmm. which I think that's totally cool. There's, there are some writers, Stephen King, who are so close to material, they won't open their mind when like a director takes like a different shift the, into the story. Yeah. But with all that, I'm going to say it again. I absolutely love this movie. Mm-hmm. Love talking about this movie. I'm, I, I, this movie got me excited to write. Yes. Unfortunately, my depression took over in the last few days, but I'm really excited to write right, because okay. of this movie. It's okay. That's why I'm here. I'm here to lift you up. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, what's your final say on this movie? Everyone should watch it. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't like movies, you're probably still going to hate it, but I think everyone should watch it at least once. Yeah, and walk into it with an open mind. No, and I don't say you're probably going to hate it like you, the listeners, probably will, but I'm saying like people, like my brother, who don't have an open <laughs> mind for certain films. Or your mother. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, if, you, you won't, if you don't like analyzing films, you probably won't like it, but if you do, you're going to have a fun time. Oh, yeah. This, this movie is ripe for analyzing. Yeah. It's great. And plus, it has all that visual stuff that I love. Oh, I love like, it. I love all the visual storytelling of things because mm-hmm. it, it says a lot. Yeah. All right. Are we done with that? Yeah. Cool. What else we got up? What, what, what we got next? Next, we have variety time. <laughs> doing a trip down Lovecraft Lane and the episode this week is called A Strange Case. Directed by Cheryl Dunye, um, written by Misha Green. Of course, it has Journey Smollett, Abby Lee, Jonathan Majors, Michael Kenneth Williams, Courtney B. Vance, Winmi Mosaku, Anjanu Ellis, and Alex Collins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, first of all, I have to mention that our boy Moses Sumney made another appearance, not an appearance, appearance, but mm. musically made his way into another. Oh, Moses Sumney? Yeah. Oh, man, I love that guy. So, look, we saw him for the first time at the Disney concert hall. Yeah, yeah, at the LA Orchestra, like, yeah. Like, live. Yeah. That was our first experience with him and Mm. like and he was like not weird but like by societal standards kind of dressed weird Mm -hmm. 
but I dug it because he had like short hair and like yeah, it was what it was almost like if he was trying to bring back Cisco's look. Yeah, he had like I think it was like white was, on the side, mm-hmm. but like a black flat top or something like a messy mm-hmm. flat and he top. And had like um. I don't know if the jacket or the shoes, but something was, like, almost chrome. <laughs> okay. You know, like, it was, I don't know, like, I really liked it because it was so different and it was mm. him. Like, you could tell, this is Moses. This is his style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then what, he showed up in... Um, oh, you mean his, his music? His music. Yeah. Um, that one show. Euphoria? No. Which show? I don't remember. Uh that show <laughs> with the Westworld. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he, right. His music showed up in Westworld and yeah. we were like so ecstatic about it. And here he is again yeah. on another HBO show. So, okay, let's, let's kind of just jump to that, jump to that part, um, to that part where his music comes out. Uh, you have to jog my memory. Uh, okay. So quite a lot has happened, but we're going to kind of focus maybe on each character. Um, since this is, you know, this movie section off like that, uh, Montrose, um, Atticus father, um, come to find out he's gay. Yes. He's gay. Um, and he's not comfortable with it. He's not comfortable with it. It's like a bit of an internal conflict. Um, and the way how they show it is just like, he like, yo, they go right into it. Mm -hmm. It gets, it gets pretty raunchy pretty fast. Um, and this is like after Atticus has essentially beaten the shit out of him for, for killing uh what's her yemma yeah what was her name two spirits or something like yeah, that? yeah two spirits from the last episode um so montrose has this kind of mindset that like atticus maybe will never talk to him again he's lost his son for good mm-hmm. and he doesn't know how to cope with that so he goes to what essentially maybe his boyfriend or just his lover mm-hmm. um and his, him, his lover his his lover is not just gay but he's a drag queen he's a drag queen and they end up at this club, this gay club. And at that moment, um, as it plays out, that's the time where like Montrose finally like lets loose. Like he finally like he feels he finally he's out of his own out of his own skin. He's out of his own head. He doesn't start the scene that way. You can still feel all the shame, all the mm-hmm. regret. Like you honestly feel like he might kill himself tonight. Not that you think that he will, but it's just like that heavy of a feeling, you know? Yeah. Like, you could tell he's really hurting, and then he's just standing there so quiet watching his lover. And then Mm -hmm. finally, once the music picks up, and you kind of get, like, the majesty of the performance and, like, how happy everyone is. And Mm -hmm. he finally lets loose, and he finally, like, almost sort of, like, accepts who he is. Yeah, he's, like, he's in his own element. Yeah. Mm um so it was really nice to see like he was i really like that scene yeah i thought this was um i i really felt a connection with this scene because um i mean it's it's a bit more acceptable acceptable now in the black community that if you're gay you're gay that's cool like whatever but there still is a bit of um animosity a bit of anger um Many there are many black men and black women who see gayness as like a weakness. It's a white, it's a white man thing or whatever. It's a white person kind of thing. Poor, you're bringing the black culture down by being gay. Yeah, exactly. And as a person who I have struggled with things like this, um, 
not only as a black man or not only as an Afro-Latino, but as an Afro-Latino who's bisexual. So growing up, I had these feelings and I would beat myself up saying, like, I'm not supposed to feel like this. This is wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I, who, who the, uh, I'm black. I'm not, I shouldn't be feeling like this at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and even growing up, I was called gay. I was called faggot and everything like that. And I... I put I not compartmentalize it. I just put it in the back of my mind, or just try to bury it. And it wasn't until like years and years and years when I became an adult and kind of like did my thing and everything. I just had learned to accept that, like, well, yeah, this is just who I am. Fuck it, I don't care who knows it and everything like that. So to see it for this character Montrose, especially for uh, a character like Michael Kenneth Williams, mm-hmm. who plays Omar in The Wire. You haven't seen The Wire, but woo. You, if you ever hear, if you ever hear that phrase, Omar's a coming, you're like, oh shit. People go, oh shit. Yeah, that's like a, there's a reason for that. But to have this character, Michael Kenneth, this actor, Michael Williams, and have his character do, you know, have this scene. It's a very powerful scene. It's mm-hmm. a, it, to me, it's a very beautiful scene. Yeah. Like when he, when he comes out of his shell. Um, I don't want to say I went through something very similar. Hmm. Because, one, I'm not black, but, (laughs) like, for me, it was just a stigma of, I didn't know anyone who was gay, Mm -hmm. and, of course, everyone makes fun of gay people when you're in middle school, high school, and all that. Yeah. So, I went through, like, middle school having a crush on this one girl, Mm -hmm. and, like, feeling ashamed for it, and then it came back up in, like, high school for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then I successfully buried it, and it really never came back until after I was, like, or, like, towards the end of my marriage. Yeah. Like, for a decade. Yeah, you, you, I mean, I'd imagine you, like, buried it, and you're just like, all right, this is how I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be married, 2.5 mm-hmm. kids, boom, and everything. And then the tail end of the marriage, you kind of got to a point where it's just like, all right, what, like, not like what happened, but like, no, this is who I am. Yeah, it, like you, it was, it was, it was funny. It's like freeing you of that marriage, and then freeing you of that stigma or of like that uncomfortability. Right. So, um, yeah, I can kind of relate to that too, mm. a little bit. I think anybody can relate to that. I mean, it, it, I, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a black person or a Latin person, white, Asian, or anything like that. I think it just comes with an internal conflict of like. Being comfortable with your sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, like if you want to flaunt it, cool, you know, flaunt it. Fucking, you got it, got it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> one thing I noticed about this one in this episode is it kind of has a, uh, it kind of continues the theme of with Atticus and his history of violence. Um, because at the start of the episode, you know, Atticus confronts Montrose, or he they go to the place where uh, Two Spirits is supposed to be. And he looks at Montrose. Montrose gives him like this look, and Atticus is just like, "Yo, you fucking killed her!" And he just like beats the shit out of him, mm-hmm. like super fucking violent. Yeah, in front of Letty, and that was like him taking out like as much anger as he can on his father, not just for what he did, but what he has done over the years, mm-hmm. and how he has still not been able to cope with that. They've still never really talked about it. Their relationship is still really rocky. Yeah, I mean, they kind of do in a way, but he kind of like hides behind the veil. Like this is what happens later. He kind of behind the he kind of hides behind the veil by saying, "Oh, the army changed me into that." Mm-hmm. And was, I I remember when I when I heard him say that, I was just like, "No, nah, nigga, that's just been around forever." Before, mm-hmm. like you're just using it as a, an excuse. Mm-hmm. 
military does bring out weirdness in people. Yeah. Because I've heard about people going in mm. that are super outgoing. And yeah. when they come back, no, no one who knew him before, like, they don't want to be around him anymore. Yeah. Because they're like, I don't know you. Like, you're not the same person that came back. Yeah. From um, my ex's uh, brother, he's in the military. And I didn't know him before then, before he went to the military. Um, but my ex has told me that, like, yeah, he's changed over time. He's not, I mean, I'm not saying he was like a fun loving guy, but he was a little bit eased up and everything. He mm-hmm. was gonna have a good laugh. And even when I encountered him, I'm just like, yo, dude, like, don't be so fucking serious all the time. Like, mm-hmm. we're at a party, have a drink, man. Yeah, exactly. It's almost kind of like prison. <laughs> no, it, seriously, it is. <laughs> like, you yeah. have time, you wake up, you have time for exercise, you're told when to sleep, mm-hmm. when to take a shower, and it is kind of like, yeah. You know, well, isn't, it, isn't that that thing uh, when you're in the military? They break br- you down and build you up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, but they don't do a good job of building you back <laughs> up. Yeah, I know. It's like that Humpty Dumpty shit. No, they want to take the humanity out of you so it's easier free when you're overseas. Yeah, do so that they can control you easier and you're not as emotional and a liability. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> Oof. Don't uh, you don't don't you miss the military? No, <laughs> I don't. I did kind of have fun in basic training. That's good. But that's because I had a drill sergeant. It was so funny. We had four platoons. Uh All the other three platoons were always making their people do push-ups and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And mine was just like, nah. Like, I remember, I know I'm going off topic, but there was one time where we were doing, um, we were doing like a, um, like field training. Uh Uh-huh. And we had just had breakfast and everything, and we were going to leave. Uh-huh. And, like, my drill sergeant, they he knew they were going to do a CS bomb. What's a CS bomb? Get a tear gas. Oh, okay. So he's like, let's just march over here, because I don't want to deal with that shit today. Uh, <laughs> Everybody shit. else got all the tear gas and shit, <laughs> and we're just sitting there, like, you know, kneeling on the side of the road with our weapons and <laughs> shit. Um, so let's go... Let's talk about Ruby, because the movie is the movie. The show mainly focuses on Ruby this episode. Yes, the, I I really love this episode because of that. Yeah, I remember you were having, and I, you're not the only one I've heard this from. You were having a bit of an issue with the character of Ruby. Mm-hmm. Um, well, okay, so what was that issue, and what turned you around? And what 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 in this episode turned it around for you? My issue with Ruby is that, in a way. Like, now and then, mm-hmm. women with darker skin color mm-hmm. and are he- that are heavier are not seen as beautiful mm-hmm. or equal yeah. in any sense of the word, yeah. in intelligence, anything, mm-hmm. to anybody. Not even people who are l- still considered black but lighter skinned. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that would go from, that would go, the, the heavy, the heavy, um, the the talk about heavy women not being equal i mean that goes further past black people that's like white asians mexicans stuff like that as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly um so like i get that they wanted to portray her in a certain way mm-hmm. the writers and, and the creators because they want you to see it and to understand that that exists mm-hmm. but in in doing so mm-hmm. they kind of made it more of like hitting it on the head and not giving her a chance to stretch out and be 
a strong, independent black woman, mm-hmm. you know, like that can be beautiful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just like they're still doing her wrong. Yeah. And it really bothered me because mm-hmm. um, she couldn't get catch a break. Yeah. Um, and then this episode came along and actually last episode came along and mm-hmm. it was like she was with. Um, oh, William. William. Mm. And and she was I didn't like seeing her in that one, too, because she was really bitter and like. I didn't want to deal with her, honestly. Like, uh-huh. I felt like if she was a, she wasn't even a person in the room, and I'd already, even though she was on the screen, didn't want to deal with her. <laughs> okay. And she starts like a relationship with him. Yeah, they they sleep together. Um, in the last episode, yeah. Yeah, and like, he gives her, like this potion that turns her like into a white woman, like yeah, a thinner this, white woman. And this one, yeah, and yeah, he. It, the potion turns her into a white woman. Well, she doesn't know that she's a white. Well, I'm sorry. No, she wakes up as a white woman. Yeah. Which freaked her the fuck out. And like, no, I'm not saying I've ever had nightmares of that, but I, yo, I don't want to wake up as a white person. Um, and it reminded me a lot of this this movie called Mel, this movie directed by Melvin Van Peoples called uh, Watermelon Man, which covered the same topic, but from a male's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've had that fear, but I think this episode really answers asks that question. Like, if we had a choice, would we really take it? Mm-hmm. Like, if it was our own, if it was our own choice to like drink that potion, like, would we become the white person to like live out a day <laughs> as a white person without? Um, like as white people like to say, they have so much fear when they're around black people. But yo, yo black people have fear because at any moment we think the fucking slave days are going to come back, or we're going to be lynched by legal lynched by a cop and shit like mm-hmm. that. Um, I thought that it was interesting. She woke up and she was scared, and she didn't know that she was why she was white all of a sudden. Mm. Um, and it was temporary, right? Like she has to go through this painful transformation. Mm. But she continually takes that potion after the first time. Yeah. Um, willingly. Yeah. And there's a few things about that. First of all, there's like two sides. Part of me feels like she's a sellout mm-hmm. because she's doing it and she's basically harassing the other black girl at this one place she got a job at. Yeah. And I think she feels that as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, and she kind of makes right. Oh, she ma- oh she, she boy like, does she, she make right at the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, but then there's another part of me that's like, okay, now is different than then, mm-hmm. and I think more people at that time would be willing to take that potion than now. Yeah. Because it would get them out of certain situations that are very painful, very yeah. traumatizing. Yeah. Um. And it would just be easier to be a white person. Yeah, she when Ruby becomes this white woman, she walks into the to would, the department store that she didn't want to work at, and she gets a job as an assistant manager. Like no references or credentials are checked or anything like that. Just boom, you got the job. Mm-hmm. Um, Actually, he did check her credentials and said that she could have his job. Her credentials were so yeah. Good. I think I think that was more of just like. It's just saying it that he did. That he was impressed by. It. I don't think he actually did check it because if he did, he. I'm sure the name would not have matched up with the one that she that he gave, that she gave him. Mm. Um, I thought there's this one really great 
so there's a scene and it, the, 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 there's a dialogue that follows that goes in relation to this scene it's a shot where um, Will puts the potion down on a silver platter literally on a silver platter and there's the potion and then there's like a water cache and she drinks the potion she does her day as a white woman and Will comes back and is just like so I know she didn't take the cash. like why not and she goes I was a white woman I didn't need to mm-hmm. and I was just like <laughs> shit is true back then as it was today holy shit yeah um which is funny because i think probably at that time it was more true mm-hmm. i think it i think it's metaphorical for like um entitlement mm, yeah yeah because i don't walk down the street and get free shit all the time yeah I'm you don't white. get free ice cream or anything like that like how she does even yeah. if i was thin i'd like i'd have to be model gorgeous to get free shit yeah but i mean it's still like like even even yourself and you don't do this and i think you i think you don't do this because you're an actual good person you don't use your whiteness to like control the situation or to exactly get what you want because you know that is fucked up to do mm-hmm. but there are people who are able to do that there was this woman um Oh, what's her name? She's like this year's Rachel Dozell, the one who was like a the t- professor, the professor, a professor of black studies who come out who was actually white. And I and I found out that there's another uh, teacher that no uh, teacher assistant that got outed that she was claiming to be uh, like a different ethnicity, but she was really white. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, we're in Lovecraft Country. We have it played out, but in our and even in our time, it still is a fucking thing mm-hmm. that oh you're white, all right you're good. I mean, they use their whiteness to get ahead like that. Or they're like it's like Ariana Grande, like ugh. Ugh. anyway, go like on. black cells, but it's still because it's taboo. Yeah, you know, like you don't want to be considered black but you want to fuck around with it a little bit so yeah. that you could seem a little on the edge yeah um this this episode also covers the idea of code switching mm-hmm. as well um how, oh yeah i saw that yeah how ruby is code switching around white people um even when she's a white person she still has to code switch it because she can't act like herself mm-hmm. um people of different ethnicities have done this as well i've done it plenty of times mm-hmm. i mean I, I i i do this around my white friends i have to i feel like i have to code switch be um and it's not like uh i'm sorry it's not i feel like i have to it just naturally comes out mm-hmm. because we've trained ourselves to be to code switch but i think some i think part of that is just talking like people you're around just because that's what's comfortable Mm. Because there are times I talk very differently around my um, ex sister in law who mm. has a very thick Mexican accent. Mm. Like I'll start to take on some of those. Yeah, but it, it, when it comes to when it comes to minorities, in a lot of cases we have to code switch because we might come off some people will view us as threatening or too passionate or too angry. We have I have a neighbor mm-hmm. that kind of blew my mind. He talks way different to me mm. in passing yeah but when i hear him on the phone he's a completely different person that's code switching that's straight up code switching like he, he did- almost sounds more southern like really choppy talking yeah and like i said we have you know because history has shown that white people have viewed minorities as as a lesser species or lesser intelligent so we have to like work double not double triple hard 
to like be seen at your level, which is fucked up. Mm -hmm. And that kind of comes in the form of code switching as well. Um, I worked with a boss who was clearly fucking racist. Um, and I, there have been many days I could, I wish I fucking cussed his ass out, but I couldn't because I would lose my fucking job. Mm -hmm. So it was just like, that was a form of code switching right there. Or just kind of like, let me just not hear this right now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what did you think? (laughs) What did you think about that? Uh, oh, okay. Actually, before we get to that, let's talk about the part where Ruby, fuck it, fucks that guy up. (laughs) I loved it. Did you? I absolutely loved it. What did you think about that? <laughs> I thought it was a bit much. Exactly. Perfect. That's what it <laughs> needed to be, a bit much. Um, but I didn't see it as like... Um, like... I, I know she was doing it because of that one black girl, right? Yeah, not only for that one black girl, but for many black girls that we didn't see him sexually assault, because I highly doubt that was his first attempt. But I don't think... That was just for black women. I think it was for women in general. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Because he was different with her, too. Though mm. he didn't really make advances on her. I think it was just because she wasn't as weak as he per- perceived mm. that one girl to be. The yeah. one uh, black girl to be. Yeah. And um, I think it's just... But, like, if he could have, he would have. Well, I mean, he... I'm- I mean, when they show this guy before before all that happens, before Ruby uh, essentially shoves a fucking heel up his ass, like literally shoves a heel up his ass, um, we're kind of given the idea that maybe he's a nice guy. Because remember when they when we, when we introduced the guy? Well, when we first introduced the guy, he seems kind of like nervous. And then we there's a shot of like him and his family, and there's like a little bit of like, oh, he's a bit racist when he where there's a comment where um, he asks Ruby who is, uh, I can't remember what was the name she was taking as a white woman, but he says something like, how do you feel about working with colored people? And she kinda, she's like, well, uh, you know, I have no problem with that. He goes like, no, 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 no. Like, no, I just have to ask because, you know, it's the policy we have for tech now, you know, but we do it more for the money. You know, he, he kind of like, that's a little bit of his racism popping up. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, Ruby um, asks the other uh, white women who work there, like, oh, does has this guy ever like made his moves on you? And they're like, Psh, you mean clean cut, you know, family man? No, he's never done that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we get that reveal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, um, even when she started like hitting on him, uh, when Ruby started like making the moves on him, he quickly was like, yeah, I'm all about this shit. Yeah. It was like, probably like how much of a fucking scumbag he is. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I don't know, maybe it's because <laughs> I'm white. I missed it. Uh-huh. I didn't really put all that together. Mm. I just thought it was women in general. But then, like now I really see it as black women. Mm. But I still felt like she was doing it for just women in general. Yeah. Like when, I mean, yeah, when, yeah. when I saw, when not now since yeah. you explained that to me, but when I saw it, I was yeah. like, I don't know. I felt more empowered by watching it. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, that's, I'm not taking away that. It's not. It's it's only for black women because because like I said, we don't know of the other stuff he's done. Because I doubt this was his first attempt to make a move on on somebody on a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's probably made it before. Um, I'm just pointing out like how how he started off as a nice guy and it, it quickly devolved into him being a fucking scumbag. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, I, I I am disappointed that he didn't really see her transform. No, he did. Well, he didn't see her transform. He rolled over and saw this bloody black woman like all that, over. That's what I'm saying. I'm uh, I'm disappointed he didn't see her transform. Uh, I'm sure like he got in his head like what the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what did you think about that reveal at the end? Come to find out, William and Christina so are the same person. In dun, 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 dun. my mind. Uh huh. First of all, I don't know that they're the same person, but I know she was at least playing him for that episode mm, mm. you know what i mean yeah um i had it in my mind that if ruby was walking around being a white person mm-hmm. what other black people oh might be doing that n- yeah or what other people might be doing that in general too mm. like could a white person pretend to be a black person like you think that maybe the the uh the potion that Christina was able to put together, she's not like she's not the only one who has that power. Or that she did it and like maybe somebody else yeah, like mm. maybe there's like a stockpile. Yeah, okay. Or something. But anyways, yeah, like a possibility, yeah. So I was like, like what if someone else is doing that? Like, holy shit. Yeah. And I never thought it would be Christina and William are the same person. Yeah. Like and it was amazing to me for different levels because one, I ha- I was like, oh, I was partially kind of already going there, mm-hmm. but not that those two particular people were the same person. And mm. holy shit, I actually think Christina actually likes Ruby, mm. like wants to have a relationship with her mm-hmm. because William seemed pretty sincere. I that's the thing. I don't I don't think Christina really really has that feeling that feeling towards ruby i think she just i think she likes her as much as she can use her to get what she 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 wants to gain because um christina tried to get into that house in the holy ghost episode but there was that barrier that she couldn't get through so her i think her best way around is to get to ruby because ruby is related to letty she was already in that house once and she could have gotten into that house multiple different times as william so why well, that's the she. Well, yeah, she got into the house once, but she didn't get what she was looking for when she was in that house. Like it wasn't until like Letty was there to like, to like what she needed was in the house. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying if she hadn't have gone through what she did with Ruby, she mm. would have had another opportunity and another opportunity. You know what I mean? Like mm. to look around. Yeah, that's true. But I, and she's smart, you know. Like yeah. so, that to me, how far Christina took it didn't really make sense as far as she serves a purpose because, um, unless she was hoping to get Ruby hooked on being a white woman, I don't. I don't think that was a possibility because she Christina was pointing out that like. Ruby, she wants Ruby to be who she always wants to be. She wants to be like this empowering woman, this woman who ain't taking shit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Ruby uninterrupted. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. She wants Ruby to be, she wants her to be Ruby un- un- uninterrupted. And you know what? Now I'm say I'm kind of leaning to your side of the argument that maybe Christina is having some type of connection with Ruby. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I'm I'm, it's I'm very hesitant because it, it's Christina. Because Christina doesn't look like she has a connection with anybody. Mm-hmm. Even when she revealed herself to be herself, mm-hmm. she still, she didn't have it. But like with William and Ruby, it's there. And I don't know if maybe 
she feels a different way when she's William. Mm-hmm. Like, like she feels like maybe she's top, you mm-hmm. know, and like Ruby's bottom or something, mm-hmm. you know, like, but when it's Christina and her, I mean, when it's Ruby and Christina, like. It's mm. kind of even, even playing field. Yeah. Christina kind of feels, I think, I don't know. It's just different, like, you know, some things make you feel more masculine or whatever. Oh, no, I get you. I get you. I'm Like I said, I'm still a bit hesitant because she's a white woman. <laughs> and I'm white. Yeah, but you're also a nice person. Mm. So I hope so. I'm mean to you all the time. Oh, God, you're never mean to me. <laughs> this is you fucking pulling my pigtails if I had hair. <laughs> pulling your chest hair too. How? <laughs> uh, okay, anything else we want to discuss this we've been on it for like about half an hour um no no uh oh one thing oh you, well, no that's not really worth discussing. The, how Atticus like decodes what's in the book and apparently it's a, co- a connection to a woman that he met in like Korea yeah I don't think we know enough about that yet I think we're gonna get more of that story next week yeah yeah that should be really interesting because I think we're gonna get more of Atticus pass yeah in that episode which should be good, but I've been having fun with the women, so I'm kind of like, <laughs> all right, I guess. Yeah, I guess I go to out of course, I guess. Our geriatric cinematic of Harold and Maud. Tell me, Harold, what do you do for fun? What activity gives you a different sense of enjoyment from the others? What do you find fulfilling? What gives you that special satisfaction? Suicides have you performed? Fifteen. What is your name? Harold. Harold Chasen. I'm Dame Marjorie Chardin, but you may call me Maud. And we're going to be great friends. Your mother tells me, Harold, that she's arranging several dates for you with some young ladies. How do you feel about that? This movie came out in 1971, and the synopsis is Young, rich, and obsessed with death, Harold finds himself changed forever when he meets lively septuagenarian Maud at a funeral. Maud. She's almost an octogenarian. What is it? What is this? Well, okay, what's a septuagenarian? What's that? Okay. Did you ever learn about prefixes of, like, um, like if you're thinking of, like, triplets? quadruplets like quad is four Mm -hmm. um then you get into um like like sex or hex or six sept is seven oct is eight non is nine you folks can't tell but my brain just stopped working again (laughs) it's numbers (laughs) anyways septuagenarian Mm -hmm. have you ever heard of a um i think it's centenarian or centigenarian or something like that anyway nope. there's just someone in their 70s 
Okay. Septagenarian is someone in their 70s. Oh, okay. Octogenarian is someone in their 80s. <sighs> Whoever wrote the synopsis was like, I'm going to use big words. <laughs> anyway, who, who directed this movie? I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, it's directed by a Hal, Hal Ashby, written by Colin Higgins, and it stars Ruth Gordon, Bud Court, Vivian Pickles, Cyril Cusack, Charles Tyner, and Ellen Gear. Mm-hmm. So, Kelsey, what did you think of Harold and Maude? I really liked this movie. You, you were having a ball on watching this. I you was. Were, you were just laughing your ass off at certain I shit. I was in it like, this is my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but like, I like kind of relate to Harold. Yeah, I think... Like, in your mod. Yeah, you said that at the end. You're like, you're mod, and I'm Harold. I was like, so I'm an old woman? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. We usually do that. We'll place ourselves in, like... Yeah. But that time you weren't biting. No, no, I totally I totally get it. I totally get it. Um, uh, because, especially because, like, how the character is obsessed with death and kills himself multiple times it's, in the movie. It's two different things with Harold, right? Mm-hmm. First of all... He keeps killing himself. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's already dead, so he can't die anymore. Yeah. Like, that was me before I met you. Yeah. I was already dead. Mm. So you're saying you're Frankenstein's monster and I'm Dr. Frankenstein? Exactly. Yes. I love that movie. <laughs> and you're mod because, you know, you're the only person who's ever gotten me to get to the top of a hotel building on the roof <laughs> and got kicked out and get kicked it. out and not get arrested somehow <laughs> it was fun it was fun <laughs> like nobody else would get me to do that <laughs> um and then throw up in grand park later what? Uh, i got pictures of that so adorable <laughs> um so the um what did you think about the performance with uh with uh ruth gordon butt court I really like the performances. Yeah. Bud Court, and I think it also goes to the writing. Mm-hmm. Bud Court's character, for at least a third of it, mm-hmm. he has no personality. Yeah, he's he's really carrying like that dead on the inside personality for like uh, essentially like the first act of the movie. Yeah. And it doesn't take anything away from the movie, mm-hmm. like. And that's why I think it also kind of goes towards the writing because there's so much else going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, he meets Maude. His mother or stepmother has like this huge like socialite personality. Mm-hmm. Um, She's like trying to have him. Uh, she signs him up for like a dating service. Yeah. Uh. And um, I just think it's really interesting how he's portrayed and like he starts to come alive after he starts hanging out with Maud more mm-hmm. and Maud her her acting is good too because she's so like lively know, lively and like mm-hmm. she doesn't really come off as crazy she just comes off as I'm my own person I really like doing what I want to do yeah, she comes out of the person who gives zero fucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but it's not rude about it. Um, no, there are plenty of times where she's playful, like the part where she uh, she steals that that beetle, that Volkswagen beetle, and then like the 
it belonged to the uh, the priest of that church. Mm-hmm. And then when the priest encounters her, he goes like, "Did you did you did you steal my car?" And he goes, "Oh, yours one with the bl- the <laughs> with the, the yours was the the be- the Volkswagen Beetle with the cross on it, right?" Yeah, yeah, that was me. It's <laughs> like nothing. Yeah, when the time machine, um, she met the cop. Which 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 cop? The one that was chasing her on the bike. <laughs> she was so hilarious. Yeah, like the like yeah, the cop is like chasing her, and and Harold's like, hey, there's a cop chasing. He goes, oh, these cops always want to play games. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really thought it was funny that whole, um, the whole optics of having like an El Camino mm-hmm. with. A little tiny tree. Oh yeah, that was. I thought that. Was, that okay, explain that. Please explain that because I thought that was really interesting. Um, what the optics of it, yeah. or like what they were doing? No, like not what they were doing, but like the optics of the like. Like, it, why did I find that interesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found it was funny. It looked to me. <laughs> I was like, this is something that would show up in a Dr. Seuss book. Oh yeah, I remember you saying that. Um, they essentially. Stole a car. She stole. She has stolen. She's. That's all she does is steal cars. Mm-hmm. She stole a car. Then she saw this tree, mm-hmm. and the tree looked sickly to her. Mm-hmm. So she stole the tree because the tree doesn't belong to anybody anyway because yeah. it's public property, so the public can steal it. Mm-hmm. She puts the tree in the back of the El Camino. I kind of want to test that theory now. <laughs> um, and they drive away. Mm-hmm. To go bury, like to go plant this tree somewhere yeah. that it probably will thrive better. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was just like I don't know if like the tree had feelings or something. Like mm-hmm. it's that's why it was funny to me because it's in the back of this El Camino and it's being wind blown. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like I could hear it screaming. <laughs> but I don't know, like the picture the. The image of the tree in the back of the car with these two people in it, it just, the tree was screaming in my head. But mm. not like a terrified scream, like, more like, ah, this shit's crazy. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, um, well, go, going off of what you said about the tree, uh, Maude is very, she's very about, like, nature. Um, like, give it, like, how lively nature can be. Mm-hmm. And she wants to be a sunflower. Yeah, and she's like this. She's this much older woman who's most likely coming to the end of her rope. I mean, she eventually does like commit suicide. She takes like tabs, I guess, suicide tabs or whatever. But it's it's interesting how she's so fascinated about like life, and she and it's like it's an it's the opposite of how certain of some older people look at they just they, they're old and all they start seeing is just death i'm mm-hmm. gonna die soon but she never her mind did death ever pop in it did actually well what, anyway. they were at the funeral and she oh. said he was 80 do you know my birthday is next week and i'm gonna be 80 and that'll be the end for me yeah but like she didn't look at it in a depressing way she was like almost an optimistic kind of way mm-hmm. and it didn't really bother her but like like they met like uh harold would go to funerals you know, because that was his thing, and like I guess, he liked the death. Yeah, yeah, and she saw him at like two funerals, but like that was the last time they were at funerals. Like after that, they just they were just out doing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, she was being the lively one who people who young people might see that as like weird. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what was I going to get at about mod? Um, I thought I, 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 there's this really great scene where they're at this, uh, um, they're like at a boardwalk and, oh no, they're at an arcade. Mm-hmm. And Harold makes like this coin or pen or something like that for Maud. It says Harold loves Maud, mm-hmm. and then Maud goes, "Oh, Maud loves Harold," and she throws it into the water. Mm-hmm. And she goes, "Like I always know where it's at." Yeah. And I thought that was like I, I mean, anybody would be like, "What the fuck?" But I actually thought that was very sweet mm-hmm. because she knows that like she can just look out of the ocean and boom. That's like her love. Exactly. Where where Harold's at, where that little piece is at. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one thing I really want to point out is how catchy the soundtrack is by Cat <laughs> Stevens. <laughs> I liked everything. Yeah, the, the soundtrack is really good, which um, if you folks have been, obviously folks listen to the beginning of the episode, that's from the movie. And we played it because like, I, I couldn't get the song out of my head. And like, mm. and I was singing it throughout the night. And like, you still singing it today? Yeah, I was singing it. Like, yeah, was, no, I we saw it on Sunday, and then I had it in my head like the next day. And today, you were singing it once today. That's right. I did when sing you came. It oh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> fuck. It's your new com- consumption. <laughs> yeah, new consumption. Um, so you wanna you wanna discuss the ending? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Maud dies. Mm-hmm. Harold is heartbroken after Mont, after Harold had actually told his mother and his uncle oh that uncle was so fucking ridiculous the military uncle <laughs> that, that part where like he pulled that cord he pulls a cord with his good arm and his pressed starched sleeve with his arm that's like gone, gone yeah um, he like salutes with his starched sleeve <laughs> And the one time his arm got stuck that way when he was like struggling, struggling with Harold. Yeah, um, yeah. So Harold has told his mom and his uncle, his therapist, and the priest that he's going to get married to a eighty-year-old woman. And she, everybody, and I like how they went through everybody, and everybody said the yeah. same thing: "That's disgusting," or mm-hmm. "You know, that's not right," or "It's unacceptable that a man, like a boy your age, would want to be with this old woman." Yeah, but I think it's like completely fucked up because that's still like that's still a hot topic people talk about. Like, there's an older woman with a uh, an older uh, a young woman with an older man, or vice versa, mm-hmm. and or I'm sorry, or a young man with an older woman and people were just like ew that's disgusting it's just like yo like if they're in love they're in love like leave them the fuck alone yeah just like do that shit you know yeah um yeah so she dies harold's heartbroken and he drives his car off a cliff mm-hmm. and he's but apparently he's not in the car he's on top of the cliff with his banjo mm-hmm. that mod gave him yeah um what did you what did you think that ending was trying to say um, I think he died mm-hmm. for real this time. Yeah, because all the other times he was actually was trying to kill himself, but he yeah. couldn't die because he was already dead. Yeah, yeah, like the parts where he did die. I kept thinking, I kept expecting to see some contraction that he figured out to like fake being hung or a fake bullet or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it was never clearly stated at all. It just was just like boom, he shot himself in the head. He's dead. Yeah, and then like next scene, there he is walking with Mott. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she woke him up though. Like yeah. she brought him back to life. You start seeing color in his face again. Yeah, you know, like when when he was more dead. 
His, yeah. He was very pale, and he was expressionless. Yeah. Um, and as the more he hung out with Maud, he got rosier cheeks. He yeah. became more lively. He had an opinion. He had a personality. He would smile quite often. He would smile and, and make jokes and different things. Mm. And when Maud died, um, he, he, he wasn't going to be able to live without her. Yeah. And he killed himself in that time. He actually killed himself because he was alive again with Maud. Yeah. So that time he wasn't going to come back. Yeah. Um, and I think mm. him playing the banjo was like a send off. Like, you know, like, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want it to be so dreary at the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, you know, maybe he was a ghost. Yeah, I think it. I think him kind of like going off for him. Him actually dying, you know, it granted him what he was looking for. It was just like he had to ex- actually experience like joy in a life like that, like actual experience love. Because it seemed like he wasn't really getting that from his mother. His mother was kind of treating him like a plant in a way. It was funny because when they when she was signing him up for the dating service, mm-hmm. at first she was including him, yeah, but like answering for him, yeah. But then as you went along, she was answering as if she was signing up for the dating service, yeah, for yeah. herself. Yeah, she would say like, uh, "Should women be? Should a woman be a president?" She goes, "Well, I can. I certainly see why not." Yeah. Like that. She was like... And she never asked his opinion at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, so it was... I mean, our theory... I believe Kelsey and I kind of shared the same theory that, like... Yeah, it took him experiencing all this love and joy with Mont to feel alive. And he didn't want to go out... He didn't want to go without her. Or he... Because, I mean, you really think about it. You can love somebody, but, like, that fire of love slowly kind of dwindles. Or kind of... It it peters or kind of just, like stays at a certain level. Mm-hmm. You're never ever going to get that high again. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, there's always heartbreak, loss, and everything. And nobody wants to experience that. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, I think he just he wanted to go on a high note. Yeah. He was like, oh, cool. I was happy. Let me just go ahead and just end this now. I can end my life. Mm-hmm. And whatever powers there be fucking allowed it to happen. Because they're going to be you. <laughs> be you. God, I'm so glad the show's done with. <laughs> um, anything else you? Oh, oh, okay. So the main, the main question, you know, do you think this movie holds up? Yes. Yes, um, I think it does too. I, I, I would watch it again. Yeah, I, I totally watch it again. Um, just to see, also just to see the interaction between, um, between with Ruth Gordon and Butt Court, because like I said, they had really great chemistry. Yeah, it was they like did. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, there was. Eventually, they, they do sleep each other, but there was going to be a scene where uh, director Hal Ashby was going to show them making love, and Paramount was like, no. <laughs> I do that. Um, apparently, we have a, a running theme going on, because this is another film that is on the list of 1,001 movies you must see before you die. Oh, good. This is another one we get the mark off. Um, you had like a long list of trailers for me to watch mm-hmm. and like this one was the first one i watched mm-hmm. and i was like 
nothing else is comparing. <laughs> You're like, I'm not watching anything else. This is it. Yeah, because all the other stuff was more like traditional love stories and mm. stuff. And like, oh. I really thought this one was weird. Yeah, and it, it allowed us to really actually dissect. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like a... I know, I know. One of the movies that I put on the list was Eternal Sunshine, but I was thinking eh, that's kind of too obvious. Yeah, you know, that's like when we did our Mulan episode. Yeah, plus, it's kind of depressing. Uh, Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we had one depressing movie with. I think I'm gonna end things. I'm thinking uh, of ending. Yeah, things. I'm thinking of ending things, and then we decided to have an uplifting story about a guy who's constantly killing himself. Yeah, exactly. And finding love. I think that's great. <laughs> uh, all right. So with that, folks, um, we're going to come to a close with this episode. Uh, there have been some really great sound effects in the background. Totally awesome. Between kids talking outside, screaming, and a cat just running around chasing a fly. Awesome background music. Yeah. It makes, you know, it makes the show less sterile. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. It's more lived in. Yeah. Um, Okay, so um, you can find this episode and all past episodes on all podcast catchers, uh, Spotify, I almost said Hulu, Spotify, <laughs> Podbean, uh, Apple, uh, Stitcher. Stitcher, anywhere where you guys get podcasts. Um, next week, we are, oh, well, I want to say, I um, hope you guys are being safe out there. Please wash your damn hands, wear your fucking mask this Anthony Fauci said we probably won't go back to normal to 2021 at the end of that year. Yeah. Let's speed that up and actually not, you know, take let's, that long. let's not take that long. And also, I hope you're breathing well, because honestly, I don't have asthma, but I've been wheezing in the mornings when I wake up because of the air quality. Yeah, we're out here in SoCal. We're in between the Bobcat and the El Dorado fires. Yeah, so um, it, it's it. The clouds are con- the sky is constantly brown. Brown or orange. Yeah. So it's it's not a... Oh, it makes it really interesting, though, because when it's really orange, mm-hmm. the sunlight hitting the ground is orange and the shadows are blue. Oh, yeah. I remember you pointed that out. Yeah. Uh, if you folks have been on social media, there is a video going around where someone got a, uh, a drone to fly around L.A. No, it wasn't L.A. It was uh, San Francisco. Was San, okay, yeah, San Francisco, and it looked like Blade Runner 2049. And they paired it with the music. Yeah, no lie, it looked like Blade it, Like, yeah, if you guys seen Blade Runner 2049, you, you have more of a visual idea. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, they said it was no filter. Yeah. Um, so, next week, our recent review is going to be Antebellum, uh, the psychological thriller that will be available on VOD. Uh, can't wait to talk about that. Uh, we are going to pair that uh, with our geriatric cinematic, which will be 1997's uh, Eve's Bought You, which you can stream on HBO Max, HBO On Demand, HBO Now, or right on Amazon, Apple TV, YouTube, Glue, and Google Play, blah, 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 blah. We haven't got a topic. Whoa. Let's come with the topic right now. Come on, pull the topic right now. Yeah. Uh, sorry, being black? No. Okay. Uh, I put a spell on you. I put a spell on you. Boom. That's the topic. Putting a spell on you. Fuck. <laughs> well, it was the whitest thing I could say mm-hmm. about voodoo. Yeah, about <laughs> about voodoo with two. <sighs> what? Nothing. It's about voodoo. I know, but it's just the fact you just said that. <laughs> <laughs>
this put the spell on you, Voodoo. I'm like, oh, God, that's so white. Yeah. <laughs> you give me this look like you gave duh. me this fucking opportunity. You're right, you're right, and I fucking regret every second. No, of you it. don't. <laughs> you don't. like it. <laughs> we didn't talk about my Clackamas. Let's save that for another time. Let's save the Clackamas for another time. Okay. Oh. <laughs> the Clackamas. <laughs> Clackamas. Jesus. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're gonna bid you guys adieu. But before that, I'm gonna share a little story with everybody. Um, if you guys have been listening to the show, I have a 10 year old daughter uh, that I love very much. Uh, but so you say. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happened was um, when her mother was in labor, I was a bit late. Um, I said you, you thought you were pregnant too. You you were late with your period. No, no, I was I was late to the whole event. Uh, I was so late that uh, I didn't show up until after the kid was born. And she looked at me and she went, "Mark, what the fuck? Like, where have you been? Like, why are you constantly late? Because I used to have an issue just being late everywhere I went. It, you, you used to." Oh, it was bad. It was bad years ago. It would, I'd be like three hours late. But in this case, I was like, apparently it was days late. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And she's like, you're always late to this and that. I figured you would at least be on time for this. What the hell? And I looked at, I looked at my, my child's mother. And I remember I had just recently saw Harold and Maude. Because the words that came out of me went as such. Consistency is not really a human trait. <laughs> <laughs>